The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Whitney Seibold, I contribute to IGN and CriticallyAcclaimed.net. I don't have a cool nickname because I don't need one. I'm too strong. Yeah. But yeah. enough of my odors. What about the what about Whitney the Mount Whitney? No, no, I don't. I was named after Mount Whitney. I think you I've sure mentioned were. that on the show before. Yeah. So now. No, no, I, I don't... Tall I don't, Rock Whitney Seibold. I don't want to be Tall Rock either. Tall Rock. The Conqueror. <laughs> Although Tall Rock, if you spell it with only six letters, T-A-L hyphen R-O-C, that's like a He-Man sub-character. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, t- like someone's Tallator would fight. Mm. This week on Cancel Too Soon. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are... This is something of an adjunct to a series we did last year. Last year in March... Mm-hmm. We did an entire month of Cops with Robot Partners, of which there are surprisingly many shows. That, uh, that all flopped. <laughs> every, yeah. every last one of them. There was none of them were, I don't think there was, a, there was a hit in the bunch, but uh, we had already done by that point uh, a Cop with Robot Partners show called Man mm. and Machine, uh, starring the great Yancey Butler uh, which was actually pretty good. And then uh, we did Almost Human, which was really good. No, yeah. Uh, we did Future Cop with Ernest <laughs> Borgnine, which was not good. Uh, we did Condor, which, which was is, okay. I watched it twice, and it's kind of gone from my memory it's, it's, already. It's it's watchable, but not particularly mm. good. Um, and uh, this was one we considered doing way back when, but we decided technically this is a cyborg. No, oh, that's that. That wasn't the hair that I wanted to split. I, the the hair I was splitting was that it's not a cop with robot partner. The cop and the robot are the same character now. Well, technically, the cop and mm. robot partner have a human partner, mm. so it's really it's kind of diluted. It's a little <laughs> diluted. Well, also, it's an adaptation of well known feature film. Uh, it's. Uh, it just has a different vibe. It it's does. a different sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, what it is, is RoboCop the series. Go ahead and shock the flat line, then let's quit. Okay, everybody clear. Officer Alex Murphy shot to death in the line of duty. Legally, he's dead. We can pretty much do what we want. There's a new guy in town. His name's RoboCop. Murphy, it is you. I'm glad they kept the Basil Polidorus theme music. Yeah, they changed it a little, but like it's still there. Robocop really does have a really great, iconic... Mm. Theme and it doesn't get singled out as much as many of the other superhero stories. Let me ask you a question: I consider RoboCop a superhero movie. Mm. Yes or no? 
whatever. I don't care. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> do you feel like it belongs in the same genre? No, definitely not. Why not? It's it's a science fiction satire. Can the superhero story also be that? I, I suppose it's a, he's so. A, but he's it's... a crime fighter who gets superpowers. Well, why do we need to put it in those terms? I don't care. <laughs> the reason why uh-huh. the reason why I put it in those terms is uh-huh. because it feels like RoboCop the series took the really harsh, cynical satire of Paul Verhoeven's first film uh-huh. and the playful but still very cynical satire of Irvin Kershner's RoboCop 2. Yeah. And tried to turn it into their version of The Flash, the which, 1990s TV series. Which this a while ago. aired opposite of, I believe. Um, yeah, this I've, aired... I've this, learned... This aired, uh, sorry, just for uh, clarification's sake. This aired on CTV in Canada mm-hmm. in syndication in the U.S. from March 18th through November 26th, 1994. So yeah, around the same time. Uh, 19, I've learned... That 1994 was sort of like the the centerpiece of my science fiction consumption as an adolescent. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it was the year uh, Next Generation ended that year. Okay. And Deep Space Nine, I think, was in its second season at that point. So it was just so, starting to get good. So, yeah, it was like like heightening of the Star Trek universe. It was when The Flash came in on, on TV. And... Uh, I feel like this was like when I was watching maybe the most media. Like this was sort of like the height of my media consumption. Yeah, it would have been about junior right high a, when this right came around out. Right around ninety four. Yeah. Although I didn't watch this when it was on. Do you remember watching this at all when it was? on I TV? saw like two episodes. I, okay. I think it was on at like an inconvenient time or opposite something. I did watch the evolution of RoboCop is really interesting to me because it started off as allegedly kind of a dumb script, and mm. Paul Verhoeven wasn't terribly interested in doing it, and then he said his wife read it and said, you could do something with this, and then it turned into something, you know, very Verhoeven-esque, very <laughs> uh, biting and politically satirical, and and it turned into a major indictment of the kind of culture that would produce a film called RoboCop, mm. um, very filled with corporate greed and the commodification of violence, and Boy, do I love the original RoboCop. One of my very favorite movies, top ten for sure. It's it's uh, one of, along with They Live, it was one of those kind of films that was a really, really, really sour indictment of Ronald Reagan and Reaganomics and mm-hmm. sort of yuppie culture. It feels like the and sort of thing that should have been made ten years later after we had perspective, but no, it was all there right in the middle of it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, th- it came out the same year as Wall Street, to, to give you a little perspective. Yeah. Um, and I, at the time, people saw that, but they didn't really see how deeply it was cutting. And wow, was it ever deep. And the second one doesn't have quite as much, but it's it's so viscerally violent that you don't really care. Yeah, from the director of The Empire Strikes Back came mm. RoboCop 2, a film I think you and I both think is a little underrated. It's, most, it's a pretty good one. Most people write it off entirely. And yeah, it's funnier, but the sense of humor it has is oppressively dark. It feels mm. more like a Terry Gilliam film yeah, in a yeah, lot yeah. of ways. And again, I will again, I will, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The final fight at the end of RoboCop 2 between RoboCop and RoboCop 2 mm. is one hell of a cool fight. They're like stop-motion <laughs> robots fighting each other and throwing themselves off of buildings. And it's really cool. Brain smashing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really terrific. It's like, there's like a, there's like a, Ten-year-old boy who becomes an organized crime boss in that, and then gets murdered horribly. Mm. So there's like a whole sequence of RoboCops who destroy themselves because they can't <laughs> handle the process. Just because someone asked a very valid question, why don't they make more RoboCops? Oh. Turns out there's a reason. Turns out it's really hard to do that. Yeah. RoboCop Two is pretty pretty good. And then in 1993, they came out with RoboCop 
3. And RoboCop 3 was a huge miscalculation, if you ask me. It came from Fred Decker, a director I actually quite like. Mm, did uh, The Monster Squad. And, and uh, Night of the Creeps, both of which are really, mm. really great, smart horror comedies. Um, and there was clearly a mandate to tone it the hell down. They realized that we have this really iconic character who has obvious appeal to kids, and all of the movies are hard R-rated. We need a PG-13 RoboCop. And so you got RoboCop 3, which stars like a little kid who's such the protagonist that RoboCop doesn't show up for like 20 minutes. And <laughs> yeah. then you have... Then there's like, like ninja RoboCops and, and she a like gets a in that pet Ed yeah. 209, and it's, it's a mess, mm. and it doesn't work, and it's nothing to say. And it just well, feels like a major step down. Uh, it, it, it's fun in that sort of uh, robot jocks sort of way. Uh, I guess. I mean, there's, there's some of the actions cool. Really, but it's, really kind of low budget sort of thing. But the standard was so high. Mm. Even after RoboCop 2. Like, if you don't like RoboCop 2 as much as RoboCop 1, fine. But it didn't ruin the franchise. The franchise was still okay. Yeah. RoboCop 3 kind of ruined it. But... Uh, I'm guessing some producers decided, you know, we we got the rights to RoboCop, we'll put them on TV. Uh, There's already sort of precedent for toning down the violence, which we couldn't show on network TV anyway. Yeah. So we'll do a TV version, but we understand that the very spirit of RoboCop is that satire, is the sort of condemnation of corporate greed. Because the whole whole premise of RoboCop, uh, the movie, and this TV show, is that uh, it takes place in the near future, it's Detroit... Detroit has turned into this complete and utter hole. It's been divided very sharply by class. There's old Detroit and there's what Delta City. Delta City is the yes, new, the, new, the, the new. renovated, gentrified, yeah. really nice Detroit, but everyone else lives in crap Detroit, which is yeah, and, and they call it old Detroit. And uh, it, it is this way because of a an evil mega corporation called the Omni Consumer Products Corporation. Uh, OCP. Yeah, yeah OCP is and, the acronym. And OCP uh, has has bought the police force. They basically they privatized, privatized police. They privatized kind of the whole government, really. Like yeah. the, the the mayor and like the governor are kind of non entities here. It all boils down to the chairman of the board, aka the old man, the guy who is in charge of OCP. He runs everything, and yeah, they've privatized the police force and they've started running it really badly. And there's uh, Ronnie Cox is it? Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox is Dick Jones. Yeah, yeah, Dick Jones is like he's he's actually got an in with. Uh, uh, this bad guy named Boddicker. So now that they own the police force, they might as well own crime too. And then just what, make, do make whatever it. the hell we want. <laughs> and it's kind of an obvious... Uh, uh, it's It takes a lot of the extreme capitalistic ideals of the 1980s, those yuppie yeah, Wall Street really. dreams, and just says, if we took those to the obvious conclusion, where people who only want money and only want success are in charge of things like public works, what will that turn into? It, and and it turns, Paul Verhoeven... It turns out it'll be a violent hell. <laughs> yeah, and Paul Verhoeven imagined it as a world, which, and frankly, a lot of Verhoeven's mm. fantasy stuff has these elements. Not unlike fascist Europe in World War II, where like you know, all of the all of the entertainment is either a total distraction from the horrors of reality or severe propaganda. And there are yeah, all these jokey news breaks. Most, mostly propaganda. And uh, Robocop the series was very smart to begin every single episode with a news break. Because mm-hmm. one of the highlights of the film was uh, not just those news broadcasts, but I think John Tesh was one of the, the newsreaders in the like movie. looked like John Tesh. And 
And also some fake advertisements that yeah. sort of gave you a good idea as to what the world was like now. So, for example, there was a there was a board game, not unlike Battleship, mm. but it was basically global thermonuclear war from yeah, war was, games. It was called Nukem. Yeah, so it was just all about, you know what? The threat of world destruction, just, it's what we have for entertainment now. <laughs> just sort of a thing now. Um, there was... a. Uh, an ad in RoboCop 2 where it showed like a sexy lady sliding into a pool just like well I I can't go really go swimming because we don't have an ozone layer anymore so we have this like sunblock it's like SPF 5 million or something yeah just caking it on herself it's like this deep blue like glop that she's just putting apply a pint to your skin and you're okay to go outside the one of the most quotable lines and that's that's not even part of the plot it's just something that's happening in this horrible world and one of the most quotable lines from Robocop is Mm -hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar which is supposed to be the worst catchphrase ever because that's what that's what entertainment has devolved it's, to. It's like, I want to dip my balls in it. Yeah. Um. So the plot is Alex Murphy played in the movie by Peter Weller. He's a good cop in a bad system. In the show, it's the same character uh, yeah. played by... He's played um, by Richard Eden. Mm. Uh, Richard Eden was on the soap opera Santa Barbara. He also co-starred in a film I really want to find mm-hmm. based on the title alone. Uh-huh. Shoot Fighter. Fight to the death. <laughs> shoot fighter. Shoot fighter. Shoot fighter. <laughs> just sounds like well, well shoot fighter. <laughs> gonna fight to the death now. Um, but Peter Weller, uh, Alex Murphy was a good cop. He was not just killed in the line of duty. He was dismembered in the line of duty. They like shot his arms off. It's one of the most gruesome scenes in movie history. Oh yes, yes like yes. just repulsive. The violence. Paul yeah. Verhoeven do doesn't want you to enjoy it too much. When people were shot in movies and like their chests exploded. Yeah, no one did squibs like Verhoeven. Verhoeven well, thought well, there were like little yeah. grenades in your body. <laughs> it was just really gross and and mm. just really just not fun. Getting shot wasn't fun in a Paul Verhoeven movie. Um, so uh, he's 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 pronounced dead. Mm. Technically, he's not quite brain dead, uh, but he's pronounced dead. And they said, "Listen, OCP owns the cops. He signed a contract. Technically, now he's, he's dead. Property, yeah. We own him. So let's turn him into RoboCop." And the original plan was to do a purely robotic. A person, but then uh, uh, because of a failed gigantic tank that dismembered a, a, an executive, uh, uh, Miguel Ferrer mm. uh, has his idea. Where listen, we're going to take all of that cool technology, that indestructible metal, that superhuman strength, but we need to put like a human brain in it for like some sense of decision making and morality. Mm. Because if we trust only binary codes, it'll all get fucked up. So. They try to erase his memory, but his memories start coming back. And the whole movie Hmm. is about him reclaiming his identity after being turned into property by a capitalist system. (laughs) And it's a really satisfying narrative. Friggin' punk rock is what it is. Um, uh, Yeah, he's kind of essentially reduced to basic brain function and with like a few memories in there. Yeah, a little flashes here and there. Yeah. in the movie, at least the first one, I didn't get the sense that Murphy had returned. I got the I got the impression that he returned enough mm. to be self aware, to have some sense of his personality and values. Um, but there, mm. I think there's a reason why in RoboCop Two, he didn't go back to his old life. Yeah, he's well, changed. He's, well, he's different, and he like he has memory like these vague images from his old life just in this brain that has been. You know, damaged and reprogrammed, uh, 
But yeah, he has like no real attachment to anything that had gone on before he was dismembered and turned into RoboCop. I mean, affection uh, for family and the one friend he had, played by the great Nancy Allen. That uh, is something that wasn't explored until RoboCop the series. Yeah. Where we got to spend more time with RoboCop and really kind of deal with, in some cases, some very interesting questions as to what his identity is now that he's been turned into essentially a tank. Now, just to clarify, Robocop the series is a live-action series. There was a Saturday morning series. It also only lasted one season, but we haven't reviewed that yet. Mm. We're talking about the live-action primetime series. It was made in Canada. Um, There are analogs for a lot of the pre-existing characters, but due to rights issues... Murphy um, was the only one that really came back. Yeah, but like there's a Nancy Allen type character, mm-hmm. for example. Um, the little girl from Robocop 3, there's another girl like her, but and, it's not the same character. And boy, howdy, she did wait. She is, they, they make such a big deal out of putting her on the show, and then she has nothing to do in almost any episode. She, she has one episode devoted to it's, like her fate. It's pretty nuts. Um, and, uh,. And yeah, this was a relatively expensive show. The show cost about a million dollars an episode, which mm. is a lot of money in 1994. And in yeah, 1994, well, there, that's a lot. Of there money. were a lot of elaborate effects. There was a lot of uh, you know different photography types. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of makeup. There was that RoboCop costume. I'm sure that wasn't cheap. They probably had a couple of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, most impressively, like every third or fourth episode, there would be an animated sequence. Oh, honestly, and those take a long time to make. I think I think it's more than half the episodes mm. have an animated sketch. Um, so RoboCop the series basically ignores the events of RoboCop two and three. Yeah, um, yeah. RoboCop two might have happened, but RoboCop three definitely didn't happen. Um, and RoboCop is still with uh, the police department in Detroit. Uh, his partner, no longer Nancy <laughs> Allen, his partner is Doctor Lisa Madigan, played by Detective Eve- Lisa Madigan. Yes. Apologies. She becomes detective in episode two. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you said doctor, though. Did I say doctor? You said doctor. Oh, my God. <laughs> detective. Uh, Yvette Nipar, uh, who was on 21 Jump Street, Briscoe County Jr., and she was in the Straight to Video Walking Tall sequels. Mm. Um, his sergeant is Sergeant Stanley Parks, played by Blue Mancuma from Forever Night and Mantis. <laughs> yeah, Mantis. Um, and, uh, there are a few other characters we'll meet along the way. Mm. Gadget is played by a young actress named Sarah Campbell. Yes. She's a little girl. Her She's, name is Gadget. Yep. Uh, she, she <laughs> had a relatively short career as a child actor and didn't, didn't act mm. after that. Uh, but you might recognize her from films like Body Parts and the Demi Moore version of The Scarlet Letter. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, and we'll talk about a few of the other characters, mm. uh, along the way. So, yeah, in the pilot episode... Uh, Murphy is RoboCop, and he is RoboCopping around, doing his RoboCopy well, business. I, I appreciate that they didn't try... To, like, they have him... We have actually, like, in flashbacks, we see footage from the 1987 feature film. Like, uh, uh, Kurtwood Smith, who plays Boddicker in the movie, he mm. has a cameo, technically. Yeah. Uh, but it's not an origin story. It's not about him finding a speed, uh, spot on the force. He is an established celebrity. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who he is. And what I appreciate is that we're already to the point where the police department is comfortable with him. Yeah. Like, he, he's he's walking around and he's this big, weird, like, hulking metal soulless robot machine. But he's part of the but, team. But yeah, he's, yeah. Pa- he's part of the, the team. And you're not sure 
in fact, throughout the entire series, how much of his personality is the program and how much of it is the human inside. And I really appreciate that it kind of rides that line. It's a tricky line to cross mm. because you have a protagonist. It's called Robocop. Mm. And you have a protagonist who half the episodes, and honestly more than half mm. of any given episode, acts as much like an Ed 209 or a mascot as you'd imagine. He, when it comes down to just doing his job, mm. he is a robot. But when it comes time to make uh, tricky moral decisions or decide whether or not to lie in order to get the job done, that's when his humanity starts kicking in and you see him struggling with it. Yeah, I will yeah. say this. Richard Eaton is a pretty good RoboCop. He is. Uh, he has the same lips as Peter Weller. I, I'm not sure if that played into the casting at all. Yeah, he looks very similar. The guy in RoboCop 3 mm. didn't quite look right, but on top of that, I just didn't find him terribly but, uh, compelling. Because RoboCop's a tricky character. He could be really boring if, you don't, if you're not well, careful. Well, he's a tricky character because, uh, you know, two-thirds of his face are covered for most of it. Like, he occasionally takes off his facial visor and you can see his robotic head underneath, which is really disturbing to me. It's like the face grafted onto this metal skull. Yeah. And usually it uh, one scene in episode where they let him to they take pity on the see, actor yeah, see his whole him, face. Let him act but a little bit. He has to act, he has to act with his mouth and with his body language, and he's a robot. So this is an incredibly difficult physical performance. Yeah, he must have taken some really good motion mm. classes because he never breaks that robot character. I mean, mm. when you're only doing like a two-hour movie, fine, but this is a 23-episode television series, and, and he had to do it every week. And yeah. I must have. I can only imagine. Like, you hear about people like, you know, David Tennant played Doctor Who for however long he played it, and mm. then he, like, gets bored with it or decides he's done what he needs to do and wants to move on. Mm. And fans are just like, God, how can you get bored with that character? And I'm like, how can you not get bored playing RoboCop? Like, RoboCop <laughs> is, is kind of almost oh. a thankless job a lot of times. You're just trapped in that outfit. You I can really only admire move the same it. way every time. I admire characters who play robots, especially, like, emotionless robots, yeah. because it, it's gotta be like it's easy but it's difficult uh, because you're always in the same note it's like if you're playing data data's always on the same note he approaches the room you know any room feeling the same way because he doesn't feel he has no emotion yeah, there's no crescendo he doesn't yeah. get angrier and less angry mm. throughout the scene and like it's really really difficult you get sort of the logical beats and yet data came across as sort of the sympathetic figure uh, mm. pretty quickly in, in that show but as an actor and think, you imagine you want to be creative yeah. you want to play you want to do more interesting things every once you get an episode yeah. but yeah robocop is like eight times as difficult because your face is covered and because you have to behave like essentially Robbie the robot. You only have these robotic movements. I love his movements. Yeah. And yeah, he is, he's able to uh, really emote somehow through all of that. And it's, it's really impressive. It's very impressive. Uh, I also like the additional care and we'll get into the plot uh, with this character. Mm. Uh, he has kind of like a, a a priest, essentially, a confidant, a confessional. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this comes up over the course of this episode. Uh, the character uh, is named Diana Powers. Hmm. Uh, she's played by Andrea Roth, uh, who is actually still working really actively. She's on the uh, Marvel series Cloak and Dagger, which I haven't seen yet, but I heard it's pretty oh, good. Yeah. Uh, she was on that Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, and she was in like a, like 90 episodes of that Dennis Leary show, Rescue Me. Oh, wow. So she's okay. doing pretty good. The plot of the pilot, and this was actually taken from an unused script for RoboCop 2. This is oh, one of the wow, original okay. ideas for RoboCop 2 um, yeah, from the original screenwriters. Yeah, a crazy uh, mad scientist whose mm. name is actually Crazy. Dr. Cray 
Z. Malardo, played by the wonderful Cliff the Young. <laughs> From Shock Treatment. Who is Shock Treatment, the underrated sequel to Rocky uh, Horror Picture Show. Uh, it's, it's it's rated about right. The no, soundtrack is fantastic. That's that what movie, I'm about to that say. movie's kind of a mess. The soundtrack to Shock Treatment. I will take the Pepsi challenge. I think the soundtrack to Shock Treatment better than the soundtrack to Rocky Horror. But mm. Rocky Horror, a significantly better film. <laughs> However, I think the soundtrack mm. saves Shock Treatment. And, mm. and it's quite fun. And he's he plays a double character in that. He plays yeah. the good guy and the bad well, guy. He plays Brad. He plays the, the Barry Bostwick character. Yeah. But he also and plays his evil twin. Farley Flavors. Mm. Um, and Farley Flavors does feel like a RoboCop character in a lot of ways. So he's hamming it up. He's doing his Shock Treatment shtick. Mm. He is a mad scientist. And he has a plan uh, to work within OCP. The pitch to OCP is we are going to put every computer system... In Detroit, every streetlight, every mm-hmm. hospital, we're all going to connect In, it to into the same, one master system, one super mainframe computer, and it's different from the internet because of the spelling. Uh, but, but basically, <laughs> this, is, this is '94. The internet wasn't in homes commonly. It's quite interesting yet, to see yeah. a sci-fi series that's on like the cusp of that huge technological shift mm. because there are parts <laughs> of this show that seem pretty on point with technology, and other parts was just like, yeah, we just use the internet for that now. <laughs> it seems so weird, but uh, yeah. Yeah, the idea was we're going to create some basically Skynet to rule everything for us, and won't that be great? Yeah, problem they'll, they'll is, spy we, on everything and control everything. Problem yeah. is, we can't actually get a computer to do that, and they keep trying to like steal human brains. To uh-huh. use to like as a mapping system to guide they're, they're, this yeah, thing. They're, they're kidnapping homeless people and ripping out their brains, and it's not working. Yeah, because they're homeless. Their theory is that the homeless people aren't, you know, sane enough or smart enough, and like they need someone who's like a real overachiever. They need they don't need an Abby normal brain. They mm. need the the Hans Delbruck brain from <laughs> Young Frankenstein, and that's when they realize that their executive assistant mm. Diana is really quite smart. So they kill her, and they scoop out her brain, and they put her into a computer, and then for the rest of the series, she's Skynet. And (laughs) she's Skynet, but she's secret. Like, nobody knows that it's it's a... There's a human brain in there. Except for RoboCop and the chairman of the board. Only two people know my secret. And, uh, (laughs) And as such, RoboCop, who is part, you know, part machine anyway now has something in common. He has this one other essentially Bride of Frankenstein character, but there's no romance. Yeah, it's just sort they of, play with it once or twice, but it's, he, RoboCop isn't interested. Well, he, he's an asexual machine. He's, she he's, she tries flirting with him a couple of times. Mm. One time she has a computer virus and she's like acting like mm. she's drunk. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that kind of thing. That's okay. what I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that character, giving RoboCop a character like that, who understands him better than any other flesh and blood character. Who knows what it's like to be trapped, and, and to that, lose for their lives. And it gives him somebody he can talk to without it seeming sort of contrived or them being an outsider. Well, it gives him a private life, which yeah, he doesn't yeah, have yeah. because he is a product. He lives in a chair in a closet. In, in, at, the, ba- at, in the basement of the police station. Yeah, he yeah. has no one to talk to, like... Where he's has privacy, mm. and now he does, and yeah, it's contrived. She shows up as like a hologram, and she's mm. often a MacGuffin she's, she's, who like gives him information he couldn't get otherwise. You know, just this, just a, a plot mm. excuse. Well, she she's a literal Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> That's true, yeah. but like, but I do think that Diana Powers brings. She brings some levity to that, but there's also a lot of genuineness in her relationship with RoboCop, well, because and she, she, because there's, there's some pathos. She's been inside his machine brain, mm-hmm. and is a, you know knows who he is, and, and call, she's the only one who calls him Alex. 
Um, everybody else calls him Murphy or, uh, or they Robo. just call him Robo, which is one of the details I just can't stand about this show. One of the things because that, it's ridiculous whenever somebody says it. I was thinking about this as I was watching RoboCop the series because when you only watch like RoboCop one, two, or three, it's just this short burst of RoboCop. But when you sit down with like a day of RoboCop, <laughs> there's something you think about. There is art is subjective and qualitative judgment of art is subjective. We make. Qualitative observation, uh, qualitative observations. Yeah. So we, we make quantitative observations that support why we think something is good or bad. But usually, there's a lot of argument. I think there that RoboCop uh-huh. is one of the few films out there where we can point to a legitimate fact and say to ourselves that that fact proves RoboCop is a great movie. Uh-huh. And that fact is this: <laughs> we aren't still talking about how dumb that title is, <laughs> RoboCop. The, yeah. mo- the movie is so good. That we don't care how dumb the well, title is. And the, it's a dumb title. The, the title is dumb, but I think we're really rolling with the fact that this is a, a satire of the, ty- of the type of movie it is. That's the point. And it gets away mm. with that. It does that mm. so well. And uh, yeah, so they call him RoboCop. He is a RoboCop. And, you know, if you look at if you look too closely at his outfit, you'll see like, you know, occasionally something that's supposed to be hard metal bends a little too much. Well, or, I mean, it, it, it's always looked kind of plasticky to me, but they yeah. they take the sound the cr- effects are always good. Yeah, they always make the, sound heavy and metallic. yeah, whenever he's walking, they have this sort of like foot thumping sound effect as the servos in his leg are working. And yeah, it. In the movies, it were at least the first movie it works. You get the sort of the sense that he is sort of hefty, but yeah, he looks like fiberglass for most of, most of it. Yeah, I, I accept it because mm. I want to accept it, and because the first movie did the heavy lifting, it uh-huh. made me accept it with like real, like really believable visual effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just willing to go along with it here. So yeah, and the the plot of the first two part episode, the future of law enforcement, which was based on an unused idea for RoboCop Two, um, is RoboCop. Basically stopping yet another criminal enterprise at OCP as OCP tries to once again put New Detroit or Delta City, Old Detroit, put it all under their thumb. Um, And he saves the day and And the little girl who was like at the police station all the time gets adopted by the sergeant because we can't get rid of that character. And she... (sighs) Ever... She she's like the one major mistake of the show, and they, I'm glad they kind of sidelined her because she, a she had nothing to do with any of the stories. I understand like you had to have somebody that the scientist taking care of RoboCop could explain stuff to, but as, as a way a, of it communicating exposition. But, but they have all these blue collar cops. I was about you know, to say yeah, need. just the sergeant can come down and you can do the same thing with that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Officer Madigan, Detective Madigan can do that. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, gadgets is the little girl's fine. She's an okay actor. It's just they don't need a kid. None of the stories need a kid. The only episode that necessitates gadget being part of it is about gadget mm. and how she's like. There's an episode where she's looking for her birth mom, and she ends up getting kidnapped. Robocop saves her and blah 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 blah. Other than that, she just sort of pops up and it's just like, hey, how you guys doing? You want me to be a part of your story today? And Robocop's like, no, thank Please. you, citizen. And she's like, cool, I'm just going to collect that paycheck. And then she goes, mm. and that's it. 
And in one episode, she has a gambling problem. <laughs> she, she, she's buying lotto scratchers from yeah. a vending machine. And she's in Hawk now, and she's mm. borrowed money from everyone in the department. Okay, that one's kind of funny. Mm. Okay, she, or she actually has a subplot, and she gets, gets like, in like, horrible trouble. And that's a very RoboCop subplot. Like, what's her subplot? It's like, oh, no, we have to save the youth center. Like, no, I developed a gambling problem at age nine. And, and, and it's, you know, goes into the satire of the world where, you know, OCP runs everything. They also run the state lottery. Yeah. And they just have lotto vending machines in all of the public buildings. So in, like, the basement of the police station. And they expect policemen to, like, gamble away their pensions. It's, yeah, hugely cynical. I really appreciated every bit of cynicism Yeah, that is just sort of oozing from this. Um, One of the most cynical things about it is the animated sequences we talked about. We didn't really yeah. go into detail. Um, so in addition to the news breaks, and they would say things like... Uh, the conservatives strike down the gun. Uh, the conservatives shoot down the gun control bill in the Senate. Five dead, three injured. <laughs> One of my favorites was um, uh, rioters from Santa Monica have torn down the Beverly Hills Wall. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one, but but, uh, but often yeah, the, the, Mexico can't deal with the influx of workers from Los Angeles. But often the episodes were uh, th- those new segments were preceded by an animated series called Commander Cash. Commander Cash is a superhero that we later find out. There is a whole episode about Commander Cash mm-hmm. later on. He's, a, he's the corporate mascot for OCP. Yeah, he's a superhero invented by OCP to teach kids that capitalism is great and to help sell OCP products. Eventually, uh, he gets... Uh, and, and the joke is that OCP products are like the worst possible thing for you. Like one of them is uh, is a... Pet recycler. So when your pet dies, you put the thing <laughs> yeah, in the recycling, and it like, gives you a quarter, yeah, and, it will, and they'll turn it into food for other pets. It's really hideous. Like everything in the RoboCop universe is hideous. Like you'd think that with like the TV setting and the little girls part of the cast, that the edge would be completely sanded off of RoboCop. And some episodes are kind of goofy, but. It's always there in the series. Mm. I think they do a really good job of finding the right balance between horrific cynicism and playful something, action. Something goofiness. kind of wa- watchable. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Commander Cash eventually gets a, a sidekick or co-pilot uh, major franchise, major product. Uh, shit, uh, oh, it's uh, major, major money, major, mar- major market, major market, major yeah. market. Uh, no, she was there from the beginning, Major Market. Was she from the yeah. beginning? Okay, she's not in every one, though. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so, again, you've just got that wonderful little mm. little splash of propaganda. Um, the <laughs> and those are really impressively animated, too. Like the, yeah, they, they, they didn't cheap out. They I, looked like real segments. We tried to find out who animated those, but they kind of don't tell you in the credits, yeah. and it's not on IMDb. It looked like the same team that did Family Dog from about the same time. That wouldn't surprise me. But that's just a guess from the visual. I that, couldn't, that's the couldn't style. Tell you. Yeah. I couldn't tell you who Anyone it was. Anyone could that style if they wanted to. Yeah, um, if you know who did the animation for <laughs> RoboCop the series, we would actually really like to know that. Yeah, because yeah. They, they did a really good job with really nice quality. We want to give them a shout-out because that really did help make the show special. Hmm. Um, the second episode is called Prime Suspect, and in this one, uh, there is a group of religious evangelicals who are trying to uh, basically strike RoboCop down. And um, 
And yeah, because this is a satire, everything is just horrendously corrupt about the televangelists. They they, they, they look like characters from, from Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom. Well, I mean, they, they look like Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, which look like characters from Strictly Ballroom. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, in fact, he's named Taker and not Baker in that kid. Uh, I didn't even pick up on that. And, of, and of course, he has, a, he has like a, a mistress and is just yeah. a horrendously corrupt he, person. He is, um, <coughs> excuse me, he's murdered and uh, looks like only RoboCop could have done it. Yeah, the, because the, they use RoboCop's gun, and it's one of a kind. It's specially designed just for him, mm-hmm. and he was shot through a wall. So it seems like there's no way anyone else could have like and, shot him with such accuracy. And the, uh, there's a bit where uh, RoboCop is called in uh, to court to testify in this murder, and because he's a robot, he he doesn't lie. He doesn't know how how to lie. So. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He didn't do it, but he doesn't know how it happened. Did yeah. someone take control of him? And so and, yeah, he's being cross examined. So is is it possible that you did this? I did not do that. But what what is what the evidence? Inconsistencies. Yeah, all these, what about the what about the evidence? And it points to you. I agree. It points to me. Well, okay then. Yes. Okay then. <laughs> So, he, so they're gonna throw him in the slammer, and he turns into the fugitive, and he's actually like crawling around like the sewers and everything like that. And there's like a Tommy Lee Jones guy who's after him. Um, and, it, and it turns out it was a, a, of course, RoboCop was framed for something that has nothing to do with televangelism. Um, it was actually the uh, the guy who helped invent RoboCop, mm-hmm. um, and he had the original prototype for the weapon and the prototype for the goggle technology that wasn't see through walls and stuff. And and he was uh, pretty good episode. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, um, the, the whole the whole show just to sort of skip ahead a little bit. The whole yeah. show starts super strong. Like the the pilot establishes everything. Mm-hmm. It's not like Stellar doesn't introduce new ideas to the RoboCop universe, but it is perfect at showing that they can do a RoboCop story on TV. It's a better RoboCop a, three than RoboCop three. Can we agree with that? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen RoboCop three. I don't remember hating it, but I uh, I, I didn't either until mm-hmm. I saw it again, and I'm oh, like, oh yeah, yeah I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> not a fan. Um, um, it's not until maybe the second half of the series when they start relying on certain characters a little too much. Well, one thing that the, the edge starts to come off a little bit. Well, one thing they had to do for television was make it less violent. RoboCop mm. just can't shoot people's heads off all the time. So what? But there's a good and bad to that. Uh, you know, the bad is you know it makes it seem a little less like RoboCop. But the good theoretically is that you can build a rogues gallery. Mm. Where he has recurring villains who come back. Cliff DeYoung comes back in a couple of episodes as Dr. Crazy Mallardo. Uh However, I think the real downfall of the show, and the thing that is really disappointing, is that his rose gallery sucks. They're uh, not uh, great, except, except for Cliff DeYoung. I think all uh, the recurring villains are pretty crap. You didn't like Pudface Morgan? I didn't like Pudface Morgan. Yeah. Pudface Morgan is like RoboCop's Joker. He's this really mm. broad Dick Tracy kind of villain. Yeah. He's got this really mutated face to the extent where I looked it up. For a second, I thought they were saying that the guy who got like hit with all that toxic waste in RoboCop One like lived and became oh. <laughs> this guy. No, no, this is a different guy. Different guy, different mm. guy. But that was like my backstory for him for mm. an episode or two before I and, looked it and up. And they gave him this like big outsized nose, so he looks like Jimmy Durante, and just because he starts talking like Jimmy Durante. Yeah, he's kind of just a nondescript big villain. I think he's mm. doing more like Al Pacino and Dick Tracy than anything else. Yeah, and that's fair. He never really again. His whole thing is he wants to kill RoboCop. I don't give a shit. I, I think he's. I think he's perfectly functional as yeah. as an arch villain. He's. Uh, it was. Um, oh, what was his name? Not scars. Stitches. Stitch. Stitch. Yeah. 
This guy uh, with a the guy with a scar face. Sti- Stitch, Stitch Molotov was just a, uh, he was a completely boring villain for me. Yeah, just a he's, generic. He's like, he's like yeah, generic crime boss number eight. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't care about that guy. He has no personality. Uh, but we, yeah, we have mad bombers. Mm. We have uh, magician assassins. <laughs> that was actually kind of fun. Because um, actually, like, I it, I really thought they were, like, going a different direction than they did. It, it gets really, and you, you said, you know, is Robocop a superhero? He definitely is in this series yeah. because it has a really superhero structure. There is a villain of the week. There's a crime of the week. It doesn't, it, it's not so much a police procedural in many episodes. Mm. Uh, and I can't say if this is the show's downfall or not, but the fact that we learn that Murphy's family is still alive and over well, we the know course they were alive. Well, we, we didn't see them in the first movie. They were just sort of gone out of his life. Yeah. They were going to move or we, something. We didn't know what happened to them. And I think that's a, a good way to sort of depict that. It's like he was married. He died. They probably They're moved. gone. They moved. And, and now, yeah, and, now left, and now he's, down. and now he's a robot brain with some memories left inside of it. And he, he has no reason to seek them out and they have no reason to assume he's alive. It's not like in the remake where he just goes home. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's actually a good bit in RoboCop too. I like mm-hmm. where they address that. Where RoboCop's well, wife, the, the wife shows up in RoboCop yeah, too. RoboCop's wife, played by say, one of the yeah. actors from Benji's Axe and the Alien Prince. So cool. <laughs> uh, she goes up and says, "Listen, I think you're my husband. I have every reason to think you're my husband. I've seen you like patrolling our neighborhood a little extra often, and you look like my husband." And he says, he he actually lies to her, mm-hmm. and he says. Uh, I'm not your husband. They gave me your husband's face to honor his memory. Mm. And he's and he's actually asked, why did you do that? And you, you could have told her. Mm. And he's just like, I'm, I'm not going to make her happy. <laughs> like, she needs to be able to move the hell on. Mm. And it's actually a really pretty good scene in an otherwise kind of silly movie in some respects. Here, yeah, his 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 I guess ex wife because he died, mm. but his, uh, his widow, his widow, uh. and and his son, and then later his father. Are regular recurring characters, and they're involved in so many schemes. The kid joins like two gangs within six episodes. Uh, she's involved with uh, at least at least three different organizations that run afoul of the law. Yeah, like there's like a, she's trying to like oppose OCP's privatized welfare state. Uh, she's the Obamacare episode, which is pretty <laughs> awkward. Uh, she's she's part of a uh, of a feminist group called Womb, which I forget what that's an acronym for. Uh, mm-hmm. But that gets like militarized and perverted. And boy, is that episode the worst? That's in the whole easily the worst. I was gonna it's say just totally miscalculated. It's, it's really misguided. Yeah. I, I can see the kind of gag they were trying to go for, but the satire did not play. And of course, just like the Flash, there is an episode in which we find out that RoboCop's dad was also a cop, and he was always kind of like disappointed and like you know he he resents RoboCop, and he finds that RoboCop's a good cop, mm. and. Uh, and you kept half. You kept deciding to say you're a good cop, RoboCop, not like my no account son. Mm. Like you kept yeah. expecting and, and him you to can, go there, and you can see him like purse his lips, like Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> but the thing is, is that RoboCop has, be, and this is one of the downfalls of doing it as a series and keeping his family like not just alive but around uh-huh. all the time. He has to save his family so many times. And his family is so has, screwed without and him. And he has to be- bend the rules to save his family. They, they have Lois Lane. They have Lois Lane syndrome. Yeah, they keep kidnapping him. Yeah, it's and like <laughs> get kidnapped so often you got to put a handle on like, him. His entire family would be dead if he wasn't RoboCop. Like that's what I have learned here, and it kind of like perverts the original film a little bit because RoboCop does so much good. 
over the course of RoboCop the series that you're sort of just like, well, it's a good thing we have a RoboCop. And then you remember (laughs) that the original movie, the whole point is, it's really tragic that he's RoboCop. Yeah, it's kind of a Frankenstein figure. Um, So it kind of messes with the whole idea of RoboCop while still kind of working as its own thing. It's a weird weird thing. I, I... I like the idea of RoboCop trying to sort of find his way back to humanity. Like, that's his struggle. That's the drama of being RoboCop. He is a machine. He's had everything taken away from him, including all of his memories and his brain. But there's still something left inside of him. And is is that... The soul. Is is that who he is? Is that his soul? In fact, the, the second episode... You know, if if uh, you put a, a brain in a robot body, does it take its faith with it? Mm. No, that, that that was an interesting question. But uh, when you put his family in there, and he's just sort of behind a mask, I mean, he could just be the Scarlet Pimpernel at that point. He could be any vigilante. Well, and also and like it it, 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 it makes his hum- his road back to humanity a shortcut, and I don't like that. Well, the thing I don't like about it mm-hmm. is uh, when you have his family constantly in danger, whether or not he's RoboCop, and he has mm-hmm. to constantly be around them anyway, it kind of makes it ridiculous that he hasn't told them. Like, it's one thing if they left. Or that they recognize his, his mouth, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, get the, I get the mouth just because he's everything else about him is so alien, mm-hmm. but um, it would be nice if his wife occasionally looked at him and went, huh? Yeah. But, like... That's all you really need. Wasn't there a a Batman cartoon episode where somebody walked up to Bruce Wayne and says, wait a minute, I know that chin and like covered it the top half of his face and says, wait a minute, you're Bruce Wayne, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. they haven't forgotten about that. That was funny. Um, (laughs) I forgot what the character was. Probably Harley Quinn or something. I think it might be, actually. Um, But but yeah, no, when they're if they're always around, it just sort of you talk about Lois Lane syndrome. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that always bothered me about Superman keeping his identity from Lois Lane is like, well, if I tell Lois Lane, her life will be in danger. She's Lois Lane. She's always in danger. She was in danger before you got here, and she was doing fine. So you might as well just tell her. You might as well just tell your fucking family. You know, you, you, people grow apart, man. You can just let your wife go. But but you then know, you know, like just be the other, that be he's, absentee dad. That he's always around his family. You know, and he, there's only one step away from saying, "and and I'm Alex Murphy." Yeah. And they say, "Well, great, you're Alex Murphy. They resurrected you. This is great." Come home. Yeah. <laughs> Just set up your chair, you know, your robo chair in our basement. We'd rather we have you up. around. Like, listen, if my dad came back as a and robot, I'd be like, he's still my dad. I still want him around. And that takes the whole his struggle with humanity out of the equation. Mm-hmm. If he's just living in a suburban setting, that would be like a funny satire sitcom, maybe. Like, yeah. dad's a robot. Yeah. But uh, my Robo Dad. Yeah, Robo Dad. Yeah. Cool. In fact, yeah. I'm certain it's been done. It sure probably has. But yeah, the family. Oh, the family takes. Oh God. <laughs> the presence of the family takes a lot out of the character that was that was established as being so interesting. So every time the family shows up, mm-hmm. RoboCop becomes less interesting. Like if you've done it like once or twice a season, I might have been okay with you it. Do but it like- you do it once. Period. I'm just saying, you the can episode, do it a couple it's, it's of a times. It's a big you... shocker. It's a big reveal mm. that the wife is alive and they run, you know, just somehow runs into Robocop well, again. And that awakens something in him and he realizes that he, he is you just irretrievably divorced from that world now. Yeah. And then she moves out of the series and he has a little bit more melancholy to deal with. Yeah. 
making him a much richer character. I did like. I like. If she keeps the, coming in and out, that drama is gone. Anyway, I like. I, I'll, I've bitched. Enough, I like yeah. the original uh, uh, appearance of. I think it's her first appearance on the show of, of mm-hmm. Murphy's wife, where um. He finds out they're on welfare, and again, in OCP, welfare is really oppressive. And in fact, we find out that if you can't pay your taxes, they're like work farms at the IRS. <laughs> yeah. So you can pay off your taxes <laughs> by hard labor. And again, you just sort of just like, yeah, this world's really fucked up, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, well, but like, he, uh, Murphy is actually really horrified to find out that his wife is on welfare. He's like, you're not taking care of my wife? I was rather under the impression she would at least get my pension. Like, frankly, with all of this, you would imagine she'd be doing very well for herself. And he's really, you know, that's actually a pretty good setup for a story because that's him, like, being shocked. Mm. Now there's like, oh, my my kid might be uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd. I don't give a shit. Your family is starving. Uh, Yeah, that's a problem. When did that happen? (laughs) No one told me? Mm. What the fuck? Uh, let's let's uh, move on to some other episodes. Mm. So the uh, the third the, episode was uh, there's the diet a, pill episode. Yeah, there's a diet pill that is causing people to uh, fly into fits of violent rage, including uh, Detective Madigan, who we haven't really talked about much. She's good on this show. I actually really like her. Mm. Um, again, the actress's name is Yvette Nipar, um, and she's for thing. The thing that I kind of get distracted by is. She's good. I buy her in tough situations, buy her in vulnerable situations. I like her mm. as an actor. Her wardrobe is weird. It's the future. It, is it? It's the well, future by way of a Hallmark movie. She's always wearing poofy sweaters. I, I, I feel like they're trying to human, like they're trying to like soften her a little bit because she's so tough. But it just feels like she's the only one in the room that's cold. What is up with your thermostat? <laughs> well, they, she's a detective, so she gets to wear street clothes. And I liked that in several episodes, they had her show up in, like, like a gown or something. Because she had, had just come from some other event. Yeah. So I think it, it might have been just a demand by the actress to have a more varied wardrobe. I'm sure. Like, I don't want to dress in the same boring outfit every... Can I... Okay, she's coming from a ball. I, like, I have a life. She's probably I would have to, more than just the gray, gray short sleeve shirt. Trying and to make black Richard Eaton jealous. See, I have more than one outfit on this show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next episode is it's hmm. a really crap episode. Actually, um, it's where the chairman of OCP is convinced by Diana, the Hollow God, hmm. that he's out of touch and he needs to go on a ride along with RoboCop in order to understand the people better. And then they get trapped in like this demilitarized zone. Oh and right, yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's a couple episodes that I don't quite remember. There's an, when you try to like make the old man hmm. like a character, character. It's a miscalculation because he needs to be uh, this weird entity with beliefs and and philosophies and values that make him sometimes a villain, Mm -hmm. sometimes a comical villain, you know, a, a victim of his own ego and ambition but his own avarice but yeah the whole point is he's the guy who would make robocop and go that'll be profitable Mm. like he's a dick and going out of your way to humanize him when you're just gonna have to go right back around again (laughs) just treat him like a plot point once again is kind of a waste of an episode i I kind of appreciate though like it's it's like what happened with barry tarberry in blackjack savage 
Now, Barry Tarberry was a comic figure, and the whole joke with Barry Tarberry is he's exposed to good lessons, and they just bounce right off him. And I think the show wasn't mm. nearly nimble enough to get away with that. Uh, no, but I understood what they were getting at. I, I think uh, it was just subtle things that made that joke not work. This is a direct indictment of yuppie culture, and the whole idea with yuppie culture is that they have to act in their own self-interest all the time, otherwise they're not yuppies. So this guy who's like a yuppie lord is exposed to humanity, absorbs a little bit, but then as soon as he goes back to the office, like he just sort of checks it at the door mm-hmm. and he's back to being a, a villain again. And I think in a... It's, it's like humanity a, was a relapse. Yeah, yeah. So in, yeah. In, in a cynical world like RoboCop, I buy that that waffling. Okay, I, yeah. I can see that. I still think the episode's pretty nondescript and yeah, doesn't yeah. really go anywhere, but fair yeah. enough. Yeah, the, um, the following episode is the organ harvesting episode. Uh, this is like in that film Repo Men, mm-hmm. where in the future, uh, organs are worth a lot. You can... And uh, they're worth a lot in the black market. Mm-hmm. So uh, a poor young ailing... Uh, child. Child from... They're from old Detroit, if I recall. Um, needs a, a lung transplant, and bad guys steal the lungs on the way. Yeah. Because they can sell them on the black market, and they have to race against time to get the lungs. It's a pretty basic plot. You could have done this without RoboCop. It's one of the yeah. few episodes where it's like, you don't need the... Like, any, well, like Knight Rider could have done that. It would have been quite as, you know, uh, uh, dystopian, but, mm. you know, missing organs and child's gonna die. Mm. Any mm. superhero could have done that. I, I agree. There's actually a couple episodes of the show where the plot is actually pretty boilerplate, and you'd see these types of plots in a lot of cop shows. The Death Row episode is another one. Yeah. Uh, where... The plot is really standard, but the like the actual setting is what makes it interesting. So the fact that we're learning about sort of this organ market in the future is is kind of what makes it interesting. It's sort of that commentary with the death row episode. It's just a race against time to make sure a man is not executed, an innocent man is not executed. But the joke in this universe is that executions are televised live, Mm -hmm. and because state-sponsored execution is illegal, they sort of goad you into committing suicide instead. Yeah, there's a they thing called the su- Kevorkian law, the Kevor- where yeah. if, you're, if you're a convicted murderer and you want to kill yourself, we'll help. Yeah, the, but we so, can't yeah. just kill you. State-sponsored suicide is a thing, and I thought that was an interesting enough idea to carry the fact that the plot itself is you know, something that could have come out in the 1950s. Yeah. Like, literally, there have been countless TV shows and movies a, ra- about, a race to prevent yeah. an execution. Um, let's see, we got the next yeah. episode was Ghosts of War, in which uh, an old childhood friend of Murphy was in the uh, the Amazon War in South America. There's an ongoing conflict. How, 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 how silly and strange the future they imagine in RoboCop, that there'd be some ongoing, seemingly never-ending conflict on foreign soil that, I know. What, that what just a... gets kind of forgotten by huma- by like the citizenry at large, mm-hmm. but is always oppressing and a, traumatizing people. And... What a silly idea. Yeah. So, uh, wild science fiction ideas. Robo- yeah, so RoboCop the series... Uh, I'm crying inside. <laughs> their version of that is there's a bunch of people who were... Uh, they were black ops, and they were disavowed, and they were declared dead, but actually... They're all so heavily traumatized that they are imagining that they're other people, like Joan of Arc or a comic book character like Nick Fury. The, it's it's a super villain team, is what it is. Yeah, but the idea is that they're all tragic figures, mm-hmm. and they're all either being used by someone who doesn't care about them, or uh, taken advantage of by someone who does care about them but needs their skills in order to help them, which was mm-hmm. a kind of an interesting twist. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, RoboCop helps I think, them. I think this was the episode where they're trying to track down the supervillains, and we do get to see that RoboCop does have a bit of a sense of humor. Because mm. his, uh, his partner says, let's, let's sort of play a little game. Like, let's pretend you're malfunctioning. And RoboCop says, what? Well, okay, I, I trust you. And uh, she, she says, okay, uh, and the two of them are questioning the bad guys, and RoboCop says, uh-oh, I'm malfunctioning. He runs up and he starts, like, pushing them against the wall. Uh-oh, there's nothing I can do, and RoboCop malfunctions. He says, entering dismemberment mode. <laughs> like, okay, RoboCop, and you know, I kind of buy that if he's around a lot of wiseacres, that he might pick up something like that. Yeah, well, he's in there with good cop, bad cop. Yeah. So, like, he's just taking it to the logical stream because he's a scary robot. But, yeah, at at this point in the series, you do finally get the sense that RoboCop is one of the noblest souls in the world. And he probably was before he was RoboCop. He was, yeah, it's like, that's in his brain, but when you sort of put the machine on top of it, there's a little bit of technological optimism in this huge world of cynicism, that the Mm. tech is actually being used to enhance decency mm. there you know they, they gave him three uh, uh prime directives uh, prime directives and uh he repeats them often mm-hmm. uh, they are uh, serve the public trust protect the innocent and uphold the law yep and those are all very reasonable things and you get to see him taking all of those things to their extremes but never ever hurting anybody he has to protect the innocent yeah and he in will, one up ep- in one episode he overrides one of them to like enact another one so he actually does break a couple of rules it's the old it's the old but, asimov thing where in order to yeah. like create artificial intelligence and have it be moral mm. there needs to be as simple a moral code as possible but even then there are always going to be an exception that you need to but the, this address. is this is a, a good analog for living by a good moral code it's yeah. a, it's a lot of hard work you have to stick to those rules and you can be a good person. And RoboCop, goodness sake, is a good person. <laughs> and, and he's made a lot of sacrifices in order to be that person. Some of yeah. those were not his choice, but he's rolling with the punches and you, he's trying to do the best he can. He could fuck he's, off. He could yeah. leave and just be like, fuck all you guys, I'm suing. He's like, no, I, I'm going to keep doing the right thing. Are you saying he's like maybe a Christ figure? Well, yeah, remember bit, remember yeah. that scene in RoboCop where he's literally walking on water? <laughs> I, think I think RoboCop is at the very least a martyr. No, no, he's there's definitely some sort of a Christian allegory, yeah, Christ allegory in in RoboCop. You I know, think the, just the, any, he's just a the, tragic the, hero, the risen figure who is yeah. the one moral figure in this Sodom, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so the next episode is called Zone Five. Uh, in that one, OCP decides, yeah, the cops are a little overworked. We're going to hire our own vigilante force to just sort of police the worst area. In fact, we're going to make it against the law for the cops to go in there and bother this new police force. And of course, the new police force that they've built is, okay. is made up entirely of ex-criminals who are simply running crime. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what happens in the episode. And, they, and, they, and, and the son joins the group. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one where the, the son joins the gang. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's that, there's a bit where like, Robocop has to obey the rules so he can't he can't enter and he's just sort of frozen at the border of the territory just like frustrated because there's nothing he can do and um, and eventually they fight the bad guys and win it's not the most interesting we're, episode we're, we're describing the stories very dispassionately and it's because the stories are pretty familiar because we, to, we grew up watching shows that use these stories a lot I kind of wanted to burn through more episodes rather than talk about them because a lot of them are even yeah, worth talking true. about uh, Provision 22, that's the welfare episode. People are being brainwashed to accept that the government, like, 
mm. and the the government failing to help citizens like find their way out of financial crisis is actually the best thing for it because work blah mm. it's crap um the next one is called faces of eve this, this is, is the, the clayface episode or catwoman same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's <laughs> that, is, that is Catwoman the movie. There's a pharmaceutical product developed by OCP that can make you look like another person. Um, it's, a, it's a hell of a development, and they're going to sell it as this sort of age-defying product. But, of course, Pudface Morgan, who look, cannot hide his identity because he looks so gross, even if you put a mask on, you'd know it was him. He starts taking advantage of it. He impersonates mm. the chairman, and um, RoboCop stops him. Yep. It's it's very it's a good supervillain type story. That's fine. Yeah, it's just, it's this, this, this would like, be the plot of a you know Batman cartoon episode. It, it was. Yeah. It was. In fact, it's the, it the Clayface episode. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's when justice fails, which is an episode about uh, uh, there's OCP has their own privatized space force. Uh, but their new rocket launch might be tainted or unsafe, and there's a corporate raider who wants to mm. take over. But this corporate raider is a lady who also kind of wants to bone RoboCop. Yeah. So she keeps engineering reasons for RoboCop to be her personal bodyguard and <laughs> won't get rid of him. And then RoboCop, like, his what? humanity starts rubbing off on her a little bit. And <laughs> I like that dynamic. That's yeah. kind of fun. I, I always like the... Uh when a villain is exposed to the hero and the villain becomes more virtuous because the hero is just so darn virtuous. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's really satisfying when done well. RoboCop, he's no lover boy. He has no romantic feelings. He has no sexual feelings. And I appreciate that they never gave him a love interest. The one character that he might have any kind of romantic attachment to is is the hologram woman. Diana, yeah. Diana. And Diana... And he never developed any kind of romantic rapport. There's no sexual tension. He's not a sexual being. He's got this big blocky robot body. He definitely doesn't have genitals. He probably doesn't exist from the waist down. Yeah, I'm a little hazy on how much of RoboCop is human. Because really his brain, Mm -hmm. clearly his face. Is there torso in there? Does he have a human heart? I'm well, a little I, hazy on that. I remember in uh, in the movie they said uh, there was the, a line of dialogue. We can save one of his arms and uh, uh, Miguel Fer- it was like I think no, it was, a, it was an arm. Was it an arm? Okay, and, and he's like, no, we, we want full robot body. Lose the arm. It's like, well, we can save an arm. No, just cut it off. What are we going to do with an arm? It's just going to be a weakness uh, for him. My, like, that's the, that's the my guessing today. from the top of his head to his solar plexus and no arms. Like, that's all that we got. The, the, it's like the Borg Queen. The, that's all we have of Probably. Murphy, the, yeah. the remake of RoboCop, um, which wasn't and, quite as bad as you'd think it would well, be, but it was kind of pointless and not very smart. The one great scene is when we see how much is left. Yeah, yeah. there's this cool <laughs> bit after the tragic thing that happened. I can't remember what the hell. I think it was he blows a up bomb, in that It was yeah. a car bomb. Um, he's blown up, and then he wakes up, and at first it's just this close-up of Joel Kinnaman plays him in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's a close-up of Joel Kinnaman's face. Joel Kinnaman's a pretty good actor, actually, and he does well, the same real well. He wakes up, and he's in the robot body, and he kind of runs around, but then they bring him back to the lab and say, okay, here's what's happening. Oh, did they, does he in the, is he in the body first? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, regardless, there's a moment where Gary Oldman comes up to him mm-hmm. and says, here's what's happened to you, and then it's a slow zoom out, and you realize, here's what's left of him and well, it's all it's, hanging like on hooks. Uh, well, what what happened in the scene? He's he's standing there as, as RoboCop, and they say, "Okay, what happened was your body was damaged, and we're going to take away all of the robot parts." And there's a mirror in front of him, so mm-hmm. don't like, freak these, out. These things like start like, and they take off his legs, like oh shit, no leg, and then like one of his arms comes off, and then like his entire like gut and his torso goes away, and mm-hmm. realize that he's a brain, a face, lungs, and one hand, and that's it. And he yeah. starts we- crying. He's like, "Oh God, there's nothing left." It's a really. Cr- it's 
creepy, sad scene. It's a scene that isn't in the original RoboCop. It's, it's a, that's it's actually a really quite amazing. It's a mediocre film, but yeah, that one scene is pretty amazing. It's like a Cronenbergian nightmare. Like it's just a really, really <laughs> good bit. Just and a otherwise, face and lungs. an otherwise nondescript oh. RoboCop movie. But um, yeah, they they handled that well. Um, let's see what we got here. Okay, so there's uh, the Human Factor. Uh, this is where uh, there's a mad bomber with a grudge against Murphy's father and, of course, OCP. There's a f- couple of fun bits where, like, Murphy has, this episode. Murphy has to team up with his father to defuse bombs, but then, like, oh, a this, building okay, falls yeah, yeah. on them, so RoboCop can't, like, defuse the bomb because he's holding up this giant slab of concrete, and he has to talk his dad, who can't see what he's doing, into turning off the bomb with a safety pin, which, at the very least, is a fun set piece. There's a little yeah, suspense man. in there, and um, I, I now that you describe it, I remember it. But yeah, some of these I watched late at night. <laughs> don't didn't really absorb. Uh, then there's Inside Crime. This is a fun one. This oh is the, yeah, uh, the reality TV episode. So the, it opens kind of like the opening of Strange Days, where in like a first person view of like people committing like a horrible like breaking and entering mm-hmm. home invasion, and then RoboCop shows up, and then like the camera crew following around Pudface and his criminals is just like, hey, you can't do this. We're filming this. This is mm-hmm. this is news. And he's like, but they're committing a crime. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yeah, and we're not allowed to stop that because we're, we're reporters and we're trying to be objective. And really, because we are protected by the First Amendment, uh, if you arrest Pudface in the middle of this crime, you're committing the crime because you're getting in the way of freedom of the press. And Robocop's just like, I don't understand that. What? <laughs> The no, that doesn't work. And uh, again, in, the huge legal brouhaha in the over mo- whether Robocop can arrest Pudface because he's part of being investigative journalism. And of course, Pudface becomes like a, a big major star. Um, mm. this Kids was, start imitating Pudface in the streets. This was clearly a, 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 a satire of cops, mm-hmm. which it's difficult to describe now how big cops was like what a big influence it was on culture at, at the time and like the early 1990s yeah i don't know if how people really know cops to it but there are any younger people in our in our audience uh cops was one of the first really hit reality shows as we've come to know them there was always non-fiction shows mm-hmm. but um in terms of literally just following people around in their jobs with a camera and it was police officers and they would just find them Breaking down doors, interviewing you know drug addicts, and it was basically like a like a a, a driver's side seat, a, a pass mm. to see kind of the worst parts of humanity. And, and I was, was always turned off by it. it. I oh, never it was, quite understood the appeal, but I get the. It sort was of the, hugely sensationalistic. It tapped directly into all of the Schadenfreude that comes along with watching reality TV. It was uh, uh, it was. Not there to, although the intended purpose was to, the stated purpose was to honor the police officers who were doing the hard work. Here's what it's really like. Uh, People were tuning in to see the screw-ups and the drug addicts and the drunks getting subdued by police officers. And, oh, thank God that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My life is better mm. because their life is worse. Terrible. Beavis and Butthead were big fans of cops. Of course they were. (laughs) Um, I'm not a... I was never a fan. I always thought it was pretty gross. I I didn't like cops. But it was such cheap... Mm. Effective entertainment, like it didn't even need to get the big. It got good ratings, but it didn't even need to get that good ratings because it was so mm-hmm. cheap to produce. And then everyone's just like, "Well, shit, we should create like this thing, the real world." And then it just sort of started Snowball escalating from there. from there. And now we're actually, we're st- which came first, the real world or cops? The cops. Oh, I'm gonna look that up. Look that yeah. up. Uh, the next episode is a fun one. This is RoboCop versus Commander Cash. 
<laughs> this is a fun episode. So in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, someone actually starts dressing like Commander Cash, the cartoon character we talked about earlier in the episode. He, he's the corporate mascot, so he shows up at like malls and stuff. Yeah, to sell Commander oh. Cash action figures. But then he starts telling all the kids, like, you know, oh, yes, Commander Cash is here to tell you all about these wonderful new action figures you can buy. And the Commander Cash says, yes, and today only, they're all free! Yeah. And the kids start you know, rioting yeah. throughout the mall. And then the guy turns out he has a grudge against the alleged creator of Commander Cash. And it turns out the creator of Commander Cash is actually mm. the guy dressing up as Commander Cash. And he wants to make the world a better place. And... Mm. Uh, Roddy Piper's in this episode, which I like. He plays Commander Cash. Yeah, isn't that fun? <laughs> That's pretty fun. And you didn't recognize him at first, because he's got a, a mask covering his face. Well, I think it's worth noting that, uh, you know, when you actually put just randomly and you don't expect it and you don't know who it mm. is, someone in a superhero costume and all you can see is their mouth and they're disguising their voice by doing a ha-ha... Mm. It's not that easy to guess who it is. Uh, and we learn sort of the origin of the Commander Cash character and how it was perverted by OCP because OCP perverts everything and mm-hmm. how Roddy Piper wanted to use the character. I don't know why he would create a character like Commander Cash, who is clearly this capitalist monster. Uh, uh, I, think he, but, I, think, I think he believed in the system and then the system mm, screwed him and then okay. he doesn't anymore. That mm. makes sense to me. Um, the Cops debuted in 1989 uh-huh. and The Real World in 92. So, okay, yeah, so Cops three, had a few years, years apart. Yeah. And again, Cops was not the first mm. TV show based in reality, but a lot of people give it credit for ushering in the wave of popularity. Uh, let's see what we got mm. here. Next up. And yes. you can tell that they wanted to do a big, long animated sequence. There's a bit where uh, Commander Cash has cornered and, and uh, uh, incapacitated Robocop in one scene. And wants to tell him sort of superhero origin yeah, story. I'm not on, the bad guy. I'm not here. the bad guy, and, and he keeps on talking about cartoon law, which is his way of saying, you know, morally right. And uh, you can tell that he wanted to. They wanted to put in a whole animated sequence, and they couldn't really do that, so they just have like the storyboard. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? It, it comes out okay. It, it comes out okay, but it's yeah, fun. you can tell they're sort of pushing against their budget. Yeah, that's that a fun point. episode. Uh, the next episode mm-hmm. is called Illusions. And in this one, uh, there's an assassin who wants to kill the chairman of OCP, um, and they are dressing up as like a Kresgen character, yeah, right? like a like a like a fictional but in this reality very famous magician. Mm. Um, and Madigan yeah. starts dating. Uh, the only magician in town, apparently. So you keep waiting for that other shoe to drop, and they keep like messing with it. And the mm-hmm. guy's just like, "Yeah, it turns out I have an exact replica of the guy's costume." And we're like. Uh huh. And it only the would, only would you like another heaping plate of red herring? How about more red herring? The only, but the thing is though is that RoboCop. It's a it's an okay. It's like it's not a badly written show, but it's not so well written mm-hmm. that it wouldn't shock you if they thought that would like they were going to get you with that. Mm-hmm. But it turns out this random other character we've met in this episode and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, everything turns out okay. Uh, the next episode is the Thin Man. Oh, sorry, t- the, the, the Tin, tin man. man. This is the one where where Gadget gets a gambling problem. But uh, <laughs> it is also yeah. most importantly because it is a Canadian series. The episode where we get Kim Coates. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and we get um, the uh, b- 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 um, Bucky. To his Captain America. Yeah, very yeah. very much the Winter Soldier. Many uh, years before the Winter Soldier was invented. 
Yeah, like, I, like solid I know the, ten I know the, years where the Winter Soldier. Was I know the there. Bucky character was around since the forties, okay. but they kind of repurposed okay, Bucky. Here's, here's what happened with Bucky. Time, yeah. Bucky was Captain America's teen sidekick in mm. the nineteen forties. Bucky a, died. Boy, boy wonder. Bucky died, mm. uh, preventing like a nuclear weapon from going off in World War Two. Mm. Um, and then Captain America was frozen, and here we are. And it was always just assumed that Bucky really did die because. He would be dead of old age now anyway. And then finally, they came up with this idea that Bucky was... He didn't die, but he was taken behind enemy lines. And they tried to turn him into their own version of Captain America. They brainwashed him. They gave him Mm. cybernetic, whatever. And rather than... That's the version you see in the movies. And he's aged a bit because they have repeatedly taken him out of cryostasis whenever they needed a black ops assassin. So he was around in the Vietnam War, and he didn't age by the time he was in Desert Storm, and he didn't age now, and so he's become this weird legend. Um, and Kim Coates is that for OCP. He's like this other version of RoboCop. He Didn't really for, work as well. He doesn't have a robot body, but he has like you know enhancements. And well, he has, he's he called has, the Tin Man. He, he has a robot brain. He's yeah. sort of the inversion of RoboCop. And uh, in his previous life, uh, the Kim Coates character was Murphy's partner. Uh, Murphy, being an honest cop, uh, saw him lose his cool one day. Testified against him. And the punishment was way harsher than anybody expected, and it turns out he was just sort of taken out of the system, and Murphy always felt bad about testifying against his partner, even though he knew he was doing the right thing. Now they're reunited, and they're both robo-beings, and he has a chance at sort of redeeming himself, and he's able to save his partner. It's a good story. It's a good episode, actually. The next episode (laughs) is the worst in the whole series, and it's not just the worst RoboCop episode. It's like one of the worst episodes of anything I've watched this season <laughs> of Cancel Too Soon. It's so ill-conceived. Because yeah, here's the thing. RoboCop, even the series, hmm. when they take a pot shot at something, they're usually punching upward. Hmm. They're usually punching up at corporate culture or rampant greed or uh, Co- war. Just commercialism. Or, yeah, 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 something. You know, something we can all agree that at the very least, in an extreme, always <laughs> bad. Here, they're taking on the horrors of feminism. Well, th- this uh, there, there's this weird period in the early to mid '90s, and I'm not sure if you remember this. I when, do remember this when uh, the whole s- the notion of being a sensitive man was entering the lexicon, and how uh, we need to start thinking about feelings and women's feelings, and the way women are being unfairly treated, and that was immediately met. And I blame Married with Children for this. Uh, by this kind of ultra masculine backlash, mm-hmm. where and this is where like Rush Limbaugh started like banding about the term feminazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, these, you... these women are asking for equal rights. How dare they? Well, I think the, those feminazis. The idea was that because and, and the, the idea was p- in political, the fiction, political correctness is sort of running rampant, and mm-hmm. in the and the idea is that we've done yeah. enough. That yeah. was the implication. The implication of something like Married with Children or mm. this episode of RoboCop is. All right, we admit it. Things were kind of sexist, but we're fine now. So mm. stop complaining. And of course, we weren't no, well, and, at and, all. And that's and that's it was pretty been, obvious at the time. It's been a rhetoric that you hear from like the far right a lot. It's like we don't need to bring up issues of race because racism is just over now. Yeah, it's like n- n- no, lo- no, look I, around a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's 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 a lot of systemic that, stuff that's yeah. echoing down f- since like the 1860s. Rules and and structures and mm. institutions that are fundamentally based on inequality. And although we told everyone inequality isn't a thing anymore, everything we live by still lives by yeah, that standard, so, and it's really fucked up. And 
boy is RoboCop the series tone deaf to that. It, it, it well, and a lot was. Uh, True, I, I I'm not saying this is unique. I remember seeing a lot of shows. Otherwise, it wasn't, the show was it wasn't just mar- Married with Children. There were a lot of shows like that were kind of trying to address this. Uh, I remember that uh, when GoldenEye was about to come out, that that came out in 95, mm. around the same time, and yeah. there was a lot of concern as to, you know, can we have a character like James Bond, who is this complete womanizer, in this era when men are to be more sensitive? And yeah. a lot of people said, well, we can't really have James Bond anymore. <laughs> I think GoldenEye was very, very skilled at adeptly walking the line a little bit. I think they did a pretty they good gave, job. They gave the female character a lot more agency in that well, one. Well, first yeah. off, we, we, what's her name? Well, and, exactly. Uh, the the, uh, the, the Russian one, computer hacker character. The one we remember is Xenia Onatop, who is, well, of course, a, yeah. liter- a, a man killer who kills you with her thighs. Mm-hmm. So, really, they only went so far. Yeah. They did a well, little better with Tomorrow Never it's Dies. It's still James Bond. They did a little better with Tomorrow Never well, Dies. Well, because it's Michelle Yeoh, Yeoh for goodness But, of sake, course, yeah. they fridged Terry Gar in order to get there. Yeah, that's true. It's it's all really, really gross. And well, I mean, I, James I, I Bond always has been. <laughs> true. Times changed. True. James Bond movies are really hit or miss in that regard. Some of them have aged okay some of them are ridiculously repulsive and <laughs> they're, they're all sexist they're all sexist but yeah. some of them are, are like you can work you can deal with it mm. and other ones you just like there's no escaping this and it's unwatchable <laughs> mm. now um and it's <laughs> interesting to character me, pussy galore it's interesting to me uh. that uh you know they're working on a new bond film now mm. and uh there was a press release recently which was um, Rami Malek is apparently in talks to play the Bond villain. I'm like, mm. okay, cool. And Lupita Nyong'o is in talks to play the Bond girl. Mm. And it occurred to me, we're still calling it that. Still, yeah, that's, we're that's... still we're still doing possessive and girl instead of woman. And mm. on top of it all, can't we just say? Co-star, <laughs> remember when, kill you? <laughs> remember when Monica Bellucci was the Bond girl? Monica Bellucci was sixty-one years old. For goodness' sake, she was, was older she? than Don. Yeah, she was sixty-one. You God, bet. She looks good. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Oof, wow, that's impressive. I would decide. Would never would have thought. Yeah, yeah. It's like cool. you don't get to call a sixty-one-year-old woman a Bond girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so the plot of the episode "Sisters in Crime" is that there are a bunch of feminists, uh, one of whom is, of course, Murphy's ex-wife, uh, who are protesting OCP, but the they're they're angry feminists, and some of them start doing backflips onto mm. limousines and attacking the chairman. And well, they kidnap the chairman and they force him to do housework. It's mm, like to oh, teach him the valuable lesson. Mm. And then uh, there are women who go on talk shows to talk about how OCP was sexually harassing them. And the subtle implication is that they weren't, mm. but it's also OCP, so I would totally believe every single yeah, thing yeah, they were telling yeah. me that they were. So mm. I, that whole bit feel, calls kind of flat. And of course, the person who comes on to sell her book about feminism is only interested in capitalism and doesn't care about feminism at all. And uh, the only person whose views on sexual politics are given real credence is uh, Detective Madigan. And Detective Madigan, who in another episode she talks about this, she's one of those people who doesn't see sex. Mm. Like, I don't think sex enters into it. I'm tired of feminists trying to, you know, make it into yeah. a thing when I'm, just trying to, when I'm just trying to do my job. And it's like, okay, those are blinders. Those are... 
that's the attitude that we've done all the work we need to do and everything else is just mm. and that's just the way life is people get sexually well, harassed sometimes and well and that was that was the corporate culture at the time it's only in been in recent years when we finally you know a lot of people have finally been brave enough to step forward and stop this crap and yeah. you know the, the roger aleses of the world can just sort of finally be ousted yeah. um i mean i guess like i can't you can't really come down on things from the past for not being woke enough but it's kind of hard for a modern audience to Necessarily understand what was going on in the culture. Yeah, in the I want to clarify. I'm not mm. saying that uh, because Robocop, the series, wasn't ahead of its time, it deserves to be thrown mm. into the trash pile. However, it's hard to watch now. Yeah. And, I think that's fair assessment. And, and there today. were, I remember at the time, there were women who espoused that attitude. It's like, I, I don't want to think about being a feminist because of sort of negative connotations that a lot of people were trying to put on the word feminist. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I had met a young woman who said, I'm definitely not a feminist. I want a, uh, I want a man to take care of me. I want to be subservient. It's like, well, if you want that choice, that makes you a feminist because feminism is about getting to choose whatever fate you want. If you want to live as a kept woman, you get to choose that. That's what feminism is. However, however no, no woman should on. have to do that. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. We're two dudes and we're saying what feminism oh, well, is. So I just okay. want to make it clear, this is based on our understanding and our experience. And well, a, actually. And, a, and yeah, us trying yeah. to be as good a person today as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And when you watch something that's like an episode like this, which is extremely backward, I think by any standard, yeah. um, it, it it rankles us. So that's where we're at. And again, if we're if, feminism takes different forms and that, people different well, ideas about it. So we're not trying to tell you what feminism is. We're not... We're, we're not we're not we're trying not to be we're not, i don't think we're assholes but if we are we're sorry yeah. um so this is our perspective on it we're trying to be the best people we can uh let's move on uh yeah, the next episode the next is, one has the heart attack gun oh yeah yeah the next one is called heartbreakers and there's a gun that gives people heart attacks this, and this, there's a, this is the plot of a canon film oh yeah absolutely yeah. and like uh bad guys steal the gun but they, they need like a few other parts so they kidnap murphy's wife in order to force him to See, bring Mur- him the parts too, and, too much murphy's wife just yeah. too much it's just and, and this, if she's not gonna do anything i mean the, the it does bring us to an interesting uh point where Murphy gets to make, and this at this point in the series, they're calling him Murphy to his face now. Mm-hmm. They're previously calling him Robo, which I hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they were sort of he's not, his not identity really, still is in public, but other than that, everyone just calls him Murphy. Just call, yeah, calls him Murphy because he's Murphy now, and uh, he gets to make sort of a, a choice to break the rules, and we get to see what it looks like for a machine to sort of suss out the logical way to break a rule. And indeed, people are panicking because mm. RoboCop is breaking rules, and mm. that's something he's literally shouldn't be able to do, but it turns yeah, out he found says, a way to fudge the rules mm, so that he is, wasn't breaking his prime directive, but it looks like he was, mm. so that he could look like he was doing the bad guy's bidding when actuality was trying to stop the bad mm. guy. It, it's okay. It, it's, it's not a great episode, but it does what it does. Right. Uh, the next episode is called, uh, is called Mother's Day, and this is the gadget episode. Mm. I... I, I I had to go back and watch the beginning twice for this one, and I still don't quite understand what the setup is. So Gadget is looking for her birth parents. Yes. She finds her birth mother, and then she's kidnapped, and she's really valuable for some reason to the bad guy. And this is Stitch. Yeah, Stitch, Stitch Molotov, is, the the nondescript crime lord who's been I think involved they want to in kidnap some of these her stories. Because I think they want to kidnap her to get leverage on the sergeant. But they're trying to they're trying yeah. to kidnap. She, she's the, sar- the weakness. She had been, the, the sar- been adopted by the sergeant. Here, yeah. This is my understanding of the episode. Right. And I, I, I they do kind of blend together after a while. Mm-hmm. So if I'm getting it wrong, I apologize. Um, 
Stitch, Stitch Molotov, the bad guy of the episode, he mm. has technology that uh, makes every recording device around him completely fuzzy, so you can't get any hard evidence on him. Mm. So even though he is arrested for importing beluga caviar from Russia, which is a big no-no. No, there, there, there was contraband in the caviar. Oh. Oh, I thought it was just caviar. No, the, like the, they made it look like that. It's like, oh, caviar. It's all really contraband caviar. And it, they opened up some cans like, wait a minute. There's like guns in here. And oh, stuff. really? Yeah. I thought it was literally just caviar. Anyway, um, so they were, but so he's just like, well, you got nothing on me. And then the sergeant is just like, well, I saw you. I'll so testify I'll just testify. You. And what's the sergeant's weak link? He has adopted Gadget. Mm. So they need to get Gadget. Gadget basically lives oh, at the okay. police precinct with him, so she's pretty well protected. They need to get Gadget out of there. And what can they do? They can impersonate her mother because they saw her trying to find out mm. who her real birth mom is. And then once they get her out of there, they kidnap her. Robocop has a savior, saver, ba 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 ba. Gadget learns to appreciate the family she's got as opposed to the family. That's a big question mark. Mm. She never meets her real mom in this episode. That's it. Next episode is called Nano. Mm. Uh, this is the nanotechnology episode where the bad guys have nanobots that control take cars. Over, take over machines and stuff. And, and, and Manigan is run down and she's paralyzed. paralyzed. And, she's a quadriplegic the, and it's mm. sort of like, all right, we know you're getting out of this one, but once you, well, cure, once you cure this, you run into that Star Trek thing where at I, the end of Into Darkness, they cure death. Yeah, you're dead, but we injected you with Khan's blood, so you're okay. Really? Yeah. How much of that stuff do we have? Because we could use that. Well, he's, he's, he's a person, so he's going to keep making blood, and mm-hmm. also there's a whole bunch of other ones of him. Well, so, also, and once we figure out how to also synthesize it's the future, it... future, we can just synthesize that. Yeah, yeah so basically, uh, we just cured death. Thanks, Star Trek Into Darkness. Dumb fucking movie. Well, I I was convinced because there's a lot of shots of uh, of Madigan, in, you know, paralyzed in bed, and it's a, mm. an extreme close up of her face. We only see her from the neck up, and we see like this brace around her neck, and mm-hmm. she's really horrified, and you know, she gives a good performance. And I, oh, I actually really really like the bit where she realizes what's happening to her, and she can't process it. Yeah, that mm. felt really genuine. It was mm. a really good performance. Yeah, uh, but uh, I I could have sworn they were going to go the. We're gonna make another Robocop, right? Doesn't that like seem like the most gonna, obvious solution? They're gonna solution? zoom out, and she's gonna have like a robot body now, and it's like, and now maybe she'll get a better robot body, and it's a little bit less clunky, and she can wear clothes, and they just have or to spend Robo- all the money. Robocop can be a mentor to this character and yeah. sort of teach her what it's like to live like a robot because he's been doing it a little longer. And you know what? If they didn't have you know the obvious MacGuffin of nanotechnology is gonna mm. heal her spine. It's what they would have done, but they really want to do a nanotech episode because it was a big buzzword in sci-fi. Nanobots repair repair her spine and she's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next episode is the save the killer before they can be executed bit. Mm -hmm. You're right. The reality TV thing is the only thing that makes this episode interesting at all. I talked about this one already. But it is fun. And I do like how Mm -hmm. cynical it is. And the director is just like, yeah, you know, I've done this in so many states where uh, the uh, death sentence is is still in place. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really nice to have a star who's in on it actually, like, they just, most of them just scream and they don't care about their mark and it's just it's just hard this this guy this guy I'm is not, with us 100% of the way thank you I, I love what a, what a treat this show and, and the movies as well their view of American media is just so deliciously <laughs> awful uh, so yeah, the, like the host is just this complete sleaze bag who wants people to die, and he's like flirting with the the hot house. It's the I, I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, 
everything is completely stupid in the future. And, and I, there's and something I, weirdly believable about that. And a part of me does love that all of that hmm. cynical, satirical, mean-spirited jabs at American television is coming from Canada. Yeah. This is a Canadian <laughs> series. Just, part of me just loves it. Just like, they've got our number. They, they're not far away. They, they get it. They the, get the same cable we do. The, the director of the original Robocop was Dutch. So yeah, yeah. Th- these are the outsiders looking at American TV and showing us just how stupid it is the last episode of robocop the series isn't the best but i see what they're trying to do there are two more there are two more yeah we just i just did the race the clock one what am i forgetting oh yeah you're right oh no the union leader one there's like a corrupt union leader and like the the boy scouts but for corporate tycoons and it's just like ah yes they're trying to you got your marketing merit badge and they're trying to recruit murphy's son and this this is another one all i remember about this one is that the bad guy has a cyborg hand well, she returns. She was the one who was flirting with RoboCop in the previous episode. Isn't that oh, the same? She? Yeah, it's the same character. Was she? I think it is. I think right. it's the same one. She has All a right, robot whatever. hand, and now, now she's okay. like extra villainous. She's puts on, I forgot the actress's name, but she's mm. really great in the episode. Okay. And uh, I like the idea of the sort of corporate uh, preening of the youth. Yeah. That, you know, to become a proper yuppie, you have to start young. It's well, like it's, it's a more, Hitler youth metaphor, pretty yeah, clearly. No, I absolutely think. it yeah. is. And and unfortunately, the story isn't very interesting, but that concept is interesting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, and I've seen that in real life. I was actually, I was at a restaurant once and I was like standing in line behind like three guys who were dressed like Donald Trump and had Donald Trump's haircut. Yeah. And I was like, kind of like, this is really surreal. I hope you're in a play. <laughs> this is really creepy, mm. just the way that you're adopting the physical mannerisms. Mm. I, I, it was really... Uh. Mm. All right, and then the last episode is Public Enemies, and this is the big... Theoretically, it's the big season finale, and it's mm. a whole bunch of villains we've seen before kind of teaming up. you yeah, got Dr. Crazy Dr. Lizardo Cra- and Pudface and, and a couple and others. They're, and they're staging uh, this weird scam, and I'm not really... I don't think I really caught what the purpose of it was, but Doctor Crazy from Arkham Asylum, more or less, yeah, is uh, he's 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 like Hannibal Lecter. He's helping the cops. From he's helping the cops, and he claims that he's having psychic visions, but in fact, he's just sort of organizing crimes. He he is doing one of of the. But I don't know what he's getting out of it. Here's 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 the idea. Mm. Uh, Crazy Lizardo, another villain whose name I forget, and Pudface. They're all working together, and the idea is that. Crazy Lizardo is planning all these crimes, mm. and he is telling the cops enough about them that they will get him to trust Crazy Lizardo, mm. that he, to believe that he's turned over a new leaf and is actually useful. Um, and he's also manip- making sure that the crimes are... They look bad, but in actuality, they're not doing what they think they're doing. So the first crime is Pudface breaks into a facility that houses all of RoboCop's replacement parts. And they think, oh, he's stealing RoboCop's guns and stuff because maybe they're big enough to stop RoboCop. Um, but in actuality, what they're doing is ruining all of RoboCop's replacement parts so that they can sneak new replacement parts in for RoboCop mm. and then turn RoboCop into a bomb. And then when RoboCop is put in charge of protecting the president when she visits Detroit, mm. they will blow up the president. And... Of course, there are different snags on that. Like, the Secret Service wants to put RoboCop on crowd control, so they have to engineer some kind of heroic feat for RoboCop to do so that the president will want him on the security detail. Mm. Um, It's elaborate, but not unfollowable, and I do like seeing... 
Again, I'm not a huge fan of all the villains, but I do like seeing them all together, and that the, makes it the, kind the of fun and comic booky. Yeah, you, um, you do get the Rogues Gallery sense after a yeah. while. It, it's a very comic booky one in like an old fashioned like the Flash kind of way, but mm. um, it's fine. It's it's not the greatest send off for the show, but it's far from the worst episode. Mm. So, um, I'll, yeah, that's Robocop mm. the series. Uh, if it had lasted mm. 100 episodes, I would have been fine with it. Yeah, well. <laughs> As I said, it started strong, and it started with a lot of interesting sci-fi ideas, and I think it just started to falter when they started relying on the same characters a little too much. Mm, same villains over and over again. Same villains over and over again, Murphy's family over and over again. It's like, expand a little bit, guys. And I The Trink was the new idea, the new dystopian yeah, yeah. crime every week. That's what, that's what Total Recall tried to do and failed to do mm. as a series. I, I think it's what uh, Almost fi- uh, almost Famous, Almost Human did uh, very well. They yeah. had sort of like future crime of the week, and they had some like really innovative innovative ways to explore the way crime would look in the future with new technologies. And that's what RoboCop has going for it. It has a really great central character. I love this version of RoboCop, this sort of bastion of decency who is clawing his way back to humanity constantly. And again, I cannot get mm. over just how difficult it must be to write mm. a show with a protagonist who's that, not not just stoic, but like mm. literally robotic. Mm. And still find a way to keep him central, to keep him feeling human, even though he's always programmed. And that's tricky. And mm-hmm. I, I give a lot of credit to the writing staff of this show yeah, for I, making that work. I liked Madigan. I liked mm-hmm. the Sarge character. Gadget can go sit in a corner. Gadget needs to go to military mm-hmm. school yeah, next so, season. Yeah, we'll sex sex season, Gadget's out. Just write her out. And, yeah. and Murphy's wife and son leave town. Yeah, that's the first episode. They're, or they're, they're, they just say in the first. They wouldn't even see them. Just say in the first episode, yeah. they're gone now. You can bring them back for like the series finale if you must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're good. Or, or like yeah. he he hears like he's chasing down a criminal, and it turns out that that he's gonna marry. Yeah, yeah don't don't kill him or nothing. Mm. Don't don't make that a thing. Just just move on. Mm. They've moved mm. on. That happens. So they think he's dead. The, the only f- the only faults, and it's not even the writing. I think the writing is pretty sharp in certain episodes. Some mm. of the stories are pretty pat, but that's to be expected for that's, any TV show, especially that's, around that's, this time. That's episodic action storytelling. Mm. It's very hard to keep that level of inspiration up throughout an entire season. There's yeah, usually so, a dud or two. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not going to fault the writing. The the only thing it really did wrong was some character work, and that's something that can easily be hammered out. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, this showed a heck of a lot of promise. I think it's quite a good show. Mm. Uh, additionally, because of sci-fi in 1994, it's totally my jam. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it just, looks the, good. The, the practical the look, effects are pretty yeah, solid. The, the look and the pacing and the tone of the show were, were just really perfect. There's one bit. I'm curious if they, like... Mm. There was another movie shooting it and they stole the shot because it looks so expensive. There's one bit in one of the later episodes where, like, a bus like jumps off a car and explodes and it's clearly <laughs> real and it's impressive like they some, some real money got thrown at this once in a while and uh yeah this is a solid robocop you would think because most people haven't heard of this they don't talk about it very much you would think that this was some sort of you know stain on the mm. reputation of robocop but this is a rock solid RoboCop. That is definitely I, a solid I, I dig RoboCop. It. And we forgot to talk about the other best part of the show. What's the the other best part of the show? Well, it's the other worst part of it. <laughs> uh, are you referring to a future to this life? Yeah. Uh, about, about halfway through the series, uh, they stopped playing score over the credits and started playing this this shit rock song. <laughs> so like, the opening credits was always this reorchestrated version yeah. of the classic Basil Polidoro's RoboCop theme. It's a great score. The new orchestration is fine. I, mm. It's not as good as the original, but I don't care. Uh, 
And then, like, yeah, halfway through the season, they start playing, like, the worst Lita Ford song I've ever mm-hmm. heard. Lita Ford from The Runaways. Like, it's just a nothing song. Like, a that's, nothing song that mm-hmm. means... I, I don't... I'm sure someone's, like, upset, like, that's my favorite Lita Ford song. Let me tell you about, like, it the was, rich, deep texture of the future is now or whatever. It was it performed by Lita Ford and Joe Walsh, who uh, was in The Eagles uh, and a couple other successful bands. And it's it's shit. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. It's yeah. just the mo- most grating, horrible thing. Like, this was 94. Mm-hmm. And... In 1994, hair metal was still trying to kick out some stuff. Like, metal was still trying to live. Yeah, just like, please, mm. please listen to us. We're still well, like, Scorpion. Like, 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 still, and there would, there would there'll be tours of everything, all these mm. bands, and they do okay, but they were just no longer yeah, the n- it sound. N- Nirvana had murdered them all. <laughs> Gr- grunge was the word of the day. And then, you know, some other, like, and, you know, a lot of hip hop was the word of the day. Hair metal specifically was gone. And this isn't, and th- for the and record, this isn't like Lita Ford trying to like bring it roaring back with something really badass. Mm. This feels like her compromise to the easy listening rock of the 90s. Yeah, like the bad rock in the 90s. There's, there's plenty of bad stuff in the 90s. What I appreciate about 90s rock was its variety. Yeah. Not, not that like any one thing was the best of anything. There was plenty of really great music, but you could turn on a radio and have just about anything. There was yeah. a lot. There were hip hop stations. There were rock stations. There were grunge stations. Well, like, there were K Rock would play. Like Swing would show up in there you, somewhere. You would listen to K Rock. K Rock mm. is the big rock radio station here in Los Angeles. Has been as long as I can remember. Um, and in the '90s, the variety of types of music you would get from like one 30 minute block of music, mm. you would get. Uh, Beastie Boys, but you'd also get Alice in Chains, mm. and then you'd get Ska, and then you'd get yeah, a Sublime, yeah. and then just like there's all there were kinds a lot of, of a lot of these wonderful novelty hits like King Missile would show up or Primus, you know, were actually played on the radio. It's like th- th- what a wonderful half hour of music I just listened to because there's all kinds of weird stuff in there. And then how disappointing that instead Robocop had mm. this. To a party on a Robocop night. night. <laughs> Robocop to... talked to me. Butt oh. face started a fight. <laughs> oh, I got the Delta City blues. Um, Kiss me, Delta. There you go. So I think we're both in agreement that Robocop the series was canceled too soon. It was canceled too soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it, the biggest flaws were just character work, and that's easily hammered out. Um, Few shows start in their best season, and I could have seen I could have seen this like by season two or season three being just great sci-fi TV. Mm-hmm. I think they need to find a better rogues gallery, more consistent, you know, or just gonna, ex- just expand it anyway. Expand yeah. it, stop, you know, make you know, Pudface is just such a cartoon villain, and mm-hmm. I think this is, works better when you have villains who have or about something. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think that would have been he, a stronger. He needs a better direction. arch nemesis. Yeah, he needs someone like, who actually uh, represents. He needs an anti Robocop. Well, you know? uh, somebody who's really scary. Like somebody who understands, like a Lex Luthor or a Gul Dukat. You know, somebody well, who's. Like, what if, I, I, has, like, 
a moral code, but it's like an, an immoral code. Well, I was thinking like mm. Crazy Lizardo could like download himself into the computer and become the mm. anti-Diana. Like that could actually be like, well, how but, do you stop that? But his, is na- that? his name is crazy. You need somebody who's a little less wacky and somebody who's actually threatening. All right. Like one character like that in the rogues gallery could have improved everything. Well, you, uh, you, it, here's the question, because mm. this is sort of vaguely in continuity with the movie. Is Boddicker dead? Or did they arrest Boddicker in this continuity? Oh, yeah, if, maybe, so, maybe they brought him back. back. Like, yeah. I don't know if you get Kurtwood Smith. You could. He's a TV actor. He'd do <laughs> it. But like, if you can't get him, you can, you can replace Kurtwood Smith. I mean, I love Kurtwood Smith, mm. but... If someone else wanted to play Boddicker, I wouldn't be angry. I'd be like, I just hope they're good, you know? Or, or it could be the Paul Crane character got doused with the nuclear waste. <laughs> Again, I just thought that was... Uh, I, I know I know. in the movie he got splattered. <laughs> you can bring him back. Why not? Why not? Um, so again, thank you, Canadian Keith. If you want to uh, submit shows for us to review, uh, we do have an Amazon wish list. Um, we have quite a few donations already and you know we could go we, people send us way more stuff than we thought they would <laughs> so, so like, we, yeah we have a huge backlog and, reason, and we're getting to a lot of them uh, the reason why we haven't recently. gotten to all of them yet is because we're getting to them quite frequently nowadays mm. and there's still tons left <laughs> so we're sorry if we haven't gotten to yours yet but seriously this we, was a we great still, we did get it we still have it and we will do it this was a great pick and mm. I'm really really glad we did it so next week we'll be back with the winner of our latest Patreon poll at patreon.com slash canceled too soon mm. all of our Patreon subscribers can vote yep we have uh, we have you vote for one episode every single month usually of canceled too soon occasionally one of our bonus podcasts available exclusively on Patreon uh, but this uh, this month, all of the options were failed shows from the WWWB, the uh, second fail in its network in television. Uh, we'd already done some UPN shows, and we were just like, we need to do the WB before it became the CW. Uh, and your options included the martial arts series Black Sash, uh, the uh, ski resort soap opera The Mountain. Uh, what was the other? Oh, the uh, primetime animated alien invasion drama, Invasion America. And uh, the one y'all went for was the Supernatural series Dead Last, starring Tyler Labine. It is about a rock and roll band who develops, the whole band apparently develops the power to speak mm. to ghosts and they help ghosts get situated and settle into the afterlife. Oh, and uh, and speaking of rock and roll bands that help people, we also have an animated series coming up soon. <laughs> I I got it. After after this, uh, we're gonna do a a, a sort of a twofer. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do two series in a row that are thematically linked in a way that hurts my soul. <laughs> but by God, we're gonna do them. So uh, get ready if you like mm-hmm. westerns. We 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 found some we found some stuff. So. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's coming up. Uh, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at CancelledCast. Uh, email us, canceltoosoon at gmail.com. Check out our other podcasts, Critically Acclaimed and The Two Shot. Those are both available on the Schmoes No iTunes feed mm-hmm. or other places where you can get podcasts like Podcast One, Stitcher, etc. Um, you can get bonus uh, material over at the uh, Patreon feed. Whitney ate uh, an insanely hot piece of chocolate made with mm. like death peppers um, for your amusement. I think they're there. I think they're called the like the, the Reaper the Reaper pepper. That's yeah. right, the Grim Reaper pepper. It's always fun with ghost pepper salt. 
Yeah. Horrifying. Just the worst. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. You, you touched your finger to it and then touched your finger to your tongue and I had said a, it was still too hot. I had a crumb and it felt like it, someone had stabbed my mm. tongue. I don't know how you ate it. It's insane. Um, so, uh, so we got all that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with Dead Last. Check out Critically Acclaimed. Go to where I met William Bibiani. You're I'm Whitney Seibold. Whitney Seibold. And uh, I guess that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Thank you.